Welcome, everyone, to the Pearls of Biblical Wisdom podcast ministry. Our theme today uh, for this particular podcast is running the race to win in the new year. And our burden is not just how to run the race for this year and win. Uh, Our burden is that we be able to run the race every year and win. And we know that's possible uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ because he's already run the race. He's already been down the road. And he, he ran the race in a perfect way, without flaw, without imperfection, without sin. And uh, Jeremiah Payton, my son-in-law, is here joining me for this uh, podcast today. And we just had a season of prayer together, time of prayer. And I'd like to begin this podcast with uh, praying together. And uh, we just want to ask the Lord to bless all of you that might be listening to this. So let's pray one more time. Our Father, we pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we might be able to walk worthy of your son's life, increasing in the knowledge of you personally, uh, being fruitful in every good work, that we would be strengthened in our inner man with patience and long-suffering, and that we might be able to give thanks in all aspects of our life. We pray that that prayer in Colossians 1 would be, uh, in this particular podcast, we pray that there'd be much spiritual increase, much spiritual fruit, so that the uh, characteristics of a worthy walk of your son's life would be made manifest. And we commit this time to you. We recognize that we are not sufficient of ourselves, thinking that we can do anything without you. Unless you build the house, our labor is in vain. And so we commit every, every minute of this particular recording to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, this time of the year in my pastoral ministry, I've come back to Philippians 3 many times And I just want to read from uh, Philippians 3. Uh, uh, Paul talked about, not as though I had already attained. He says, I count not myself to have apprehended. He says, I press toward the mark. That terminology, I press toward the mark, is the uh, imagery of a runner running a race with all his energy, all his strength, with his arms stretched out and his neck stretched out trying to reach the uh, finish line and win the race. And Paul talks about, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And uh, so our, our theme is this analogy of life is a race. It's re- revealed here in Philippians 3. It's also revealed in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, after the great cloud of witnesses in uh, chapter 11 of those that have already run the race, in chapter 12 he says, uh, seeing that we have such a great cloud of witnesses of men and women of faith, let us run the race in the same way they did by faith. The only way to run this race is by faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, let us run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author of, and finisher of our faith. And so we're going to talk about the uh, factors of this race so that we can run to win every year. Uh, Lots of times this time of the year we make resolutions about particulars or things we want to change outwardly. Uh, But my burden is uh, learning how to run this race inwardly if we get things inside of us adjusted properly. Uh, and know what the factors are to be adjusted inwardly by God, then uh, we'll be able to take care of all the outward uh, situations much better in life. So, um, Jeremiah, welcome. Welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we uh, get to our first point. Yeah, my my name is Jeremiah. I just finished my first semester at Bethlehem College and Seminary for their Master of Divinity program. Uh, I've been married for about a year and a half to your daughter, Abby, and we have one son named William. Uh, he's about nine months old. And, uh, yeah, he's getting ready to walk pretty soon. So mm-hmm. it's very exciting. It is exciting. You know, it's exciting that you're a father. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a, a father and a grandfather. I have 23 grandchildren. We had 10 children. 
And this whole podcast uh, ministry uh, from the inception was to help fathers, mm. to equip fathers. And uh, I'd like us to keep that in mind as we make these points and share what we've got to share. Our, our burden is to help everybody that would listen, <clears throat> excuse me, help everybody that would listen to this, but especially fathers and the responsibility they have to be the leader, the protector, the provider, and uh, how challenging it could be for them to run the race and not feeling adequate. And the same way with moms, not feeling adequate, but we're hoping that something we share today is going to help the moms and dads and the family and the home and the marriage so that you as a family can see much spiritual uh, increase, spiritual fruitfulness, not only in your lifetime, but in the generations to come, that the blessing of the, of the Lord would be upon your uh, lineage, your family lineage, right up until the time that our Lord Jesus uh, comes back. Now, the first factor uh, that we are seeking to talk about today is the lifetime factor. And uh, we're a work in progress. Every year, we uh, still got a long ways to go. Five years from now, we'll have a long ways to go. Ten years from now, we'll have a long ways to go. Every time New Year's comes around, we'll never be thinking, well, I don't have anything else to press on towards. Um, we are pressing on the upward way. The song I had play, the hymn, we're pressing on the upward way. New heights we're gaining every day, every week, every month of every year. In Philippians 3, it wasn't how far, Paul wasn't looking at how far he had come. Uh, he was looking at how far he yet had to go. Uh, Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the just, that's the believers, the path of believers is as the shining light that shines more and more to the perfect day. There's a perfect day coming when sin will be removed from our body, but until that day comes, we are totally a work in progress, and we have to die daily to self in sin, weekly, monthly, minute by minute, moment by moment. We have to abide in the life of Jesus, or the old sinful, ugly man will uh, manifest himself. Now, with that said, I have a quote I want to read. And by the way, I just preached a, a message on this uh, same uh, theme, and I'm going to put it on the podcast but uh, we're trying to cover some additional uh, information here, different, uh, hopefully more wisdom than what, what I included in the sermon. And there's this quote by Robert Johnstone that I want to read to you. And uh, I want to make some comments uh, as I read it, which talks about we as believers are a work in progress. It's a lifetime venture of running this race. Now, I want to say two things about blind spots because he's going to talk about blind spots, what other people see about us and what we see about ourselves. Uh, people don't see everything that we see about ourselves. We, uh, they have blind spots. They don't see everything. God sees everything about us, but people doesn't. They don't see everything about us. At the same time, there's people that see things in our life that we need to correct, and it's very obvious we, got, we have some flaws and imperfections, but we're not always aware of it. So people see blind spots that we have, but also people don't see blind spots that we have that only God sees. And so keep that in mind as I begin to read this quote. This is Robert John Stone. He says, You and I, brethren, know ourselves to be very far from having reached entire conformity in heart and life to the will of our Heavenly Father. Others, perhaps, may not see very marked defects in us. We may be habitually characterized by purity, sobriety, uprightness, patience, and benevolence. We may be diligent in availing ourselves of the public and private means of grace. We may be actively engaged in efforts to extend the Redeemer's kingdom. We may hear at times with cheering distinctiveness the witness of the Spirit with our spirit that we are children of God. Yet, 
trying ourselves, that is, evaluating ourselves by the standard which God has given us in the character of his Son, we find every day abundant cause to acknowledge sin. And I just want to pause right here and uh, say a couple of things before I fin- uh, continue the quote. You know, it says in 1 John uh, chapter 1, uh, if we as believers say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we need to be uh, constantly acknowledging uh, our sin to God. It's right there in the Lord's uh, teaching us how to pray. Uh, confess uh, your trespasses. Forgive your trespasses as I have forgive your trespasses. We constantly have to confess our trespasses and our sins to God. And then it has an effect on our ability to forgive others of their trespasses against us. So it's very important for us to make sure we're, you know, Psalm says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, I don't confess my sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, it says the Lord will not hear the prayer. He'll not be able to respond to the prayer in in the way he wants to and uh, work in powerful ways in our life. So confession of sin and um, making it, it should be a regular part. You know, the Bible talks about God's mercy is new every morning to us. So there's never a day that we are perfect. Uh, you know, Paul talked about perfection in Philippians 3, but he was ta- using that word in terms of maturity. And uh, yes, we're growing in maturity as our journey progresses in our relationship and fellowship with the Lord. There should be progress. There should be growth in maturity. But perfection will have to wait the day of the Lord's return. Uh, and until that time, it's a lifetime race venture. Uh, Paul also said uh, in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinful people. And he says, now this is very important what Paul said, of whom, of all, of all the sinful people, He says, of whom, and he could have said, I was chief before I got saved because he had a lot of strikes against him as far as a sin, even towards believers in big time ways. But he didn't say, of whom I was chief, past tense. He said, of whom I am chief. That's a very important uh, confession of the apostle, the apostle Paul. Now with that in mind, let me uh, continue reading this quote. Sometimes... Candid self-examination makes us almost have a spirit of despondency. In such moves, the testimony of Paul in the passage before us, he's talking about Philippians 3, um, is fitted to comfort by giving us the assurance that even the most illustrious servants of Christ, including Paul, or including people in our day that are walking very godly outwardly, Even the most illustrious servants of Christ have had similar consciousness of imperfection. Hmm. Studying the apostles' life, we see so bright and steady a glow of holy zeal and mark everywhere a spirit so pure and generous and self-sacrificing and patient that it hardly occurs to us to class him among the sinning and struggling believers to whom we know ourselves to belong. Hmm. But here you have his own witness, Paul's own witness, after the greater part of his noble life was spent, after he had become the spiritual father of many churches, after he had written probably most of his epistles, which displays such sublime spiritual wisdom, after the signal uh, signal expression of uh, God's divine favor to him, and he was called up into the third heaven Hmm. to have such an experience. With God, even after having such a privilege of having such an experience, he still refers to himself as, I have a long ways to go. So if that be the case for the Apostle Paul, (laughs) how much more is it the case for for us? And I would just say to all you fathers, um, no father is perfect. We're all pressing on the upward way. Uh, God, you're... Father is perfect. The Lord Jesus Christ is perfect. 
But in your ministry at home and with your family and with your children, it's good to acknowledge, uh, you know, dad's not perfect. Hmm. And dad's a co-learner. Go ahead, Jeremiah. Yeah, I was, uh, especially you talking about uh, Paul and the great apostles and how he tended to heroicize them and forget the, um, their struggle with sin. I, I just remember when I was young, reading stories of martyrs and thinking, wow, that, that's what it means to be a, a true Christian, a true faithful believer, uh, to, to die a martyr's death. Um, and just the Lord had to teach me and has to keep reminding me that, that a truly faithful life isn't necessarily dying a martyr's death, but living a martyr's life. You know, all, all the, the story leading up to a martyr's death is the part that we really need to remember that Paul didn't just die at the end of his ministry, but he, he ministered faithfully and he, he died to himself day in and day out, uh, not just once or twice, but every day he had mm. to endure and mm. run that race faithfully mm. so that when he got to the end, uh, he was confident that, mm. that there was a crown of glory because he had trusted in Jesus the whole way through. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Paul talked about in uh, Romans 6 how important it is for us, like you said, daily, moment by moment, minute by minute, to reckon ourselves hmm. to be dead indeed to sin. Uh, sin is still within us as far as the sin nature, but it doesn't have to have authority over us or power over us. Uh, hmm. And so we, could, we, we, no matter how far we've come to in overcoming and maturing, we still, every day is a new battle. Yeah. All right, our second point is uh, the cross-country factor. We had the lifetime factor, now we have the cross-country factor. There's a big difference in running a cross-country race and a 50-yard dash. You have to pace yourself differently in running a 50-yard dash and running uh, a cross-country race. And uh, I looked up the word patience because in Hebrews uh, 12, when it talks about running this race, it talks about uh, running the race with patience. Patience is mentioned 33 times in the New Testament as to how much believers need it in all different situations. Now, I read some of this already in the sermon, so I'm not going to read those again, but I want to start with, um, as to the character of God himself, it says in Romans 15, 5, that God is the God of patience. So the very character of God is connected with patience. And of all the character qualities, this patience character quality needs to be ranked among the top of being like Jesus Christ. It's a key character quality of becoming like Christ and becoming like God our Father. He's the God of patience. Now, as to spiritual priorities, this is 1 Timothy 6, 11. Thou, O man of God, flee these things and put that away from you, the sinful stuff away from you. And he says, follow after, and he gives a list here, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and then he mentions patience. Make patience. If you're going to make a list of what you need to aim at to hit the bullseye in running the race, make sure you include patience in the target. So that's a spiritual priority in 1 Timothy 6.11. And then in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, bus, uh, verse 10, Paul said, You have fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. And then he talks about his manner of life, purpose, faith, and he mentions two character qualities here, long-suffering and patience. Hmm. Now, in Colossians 1, it, uh, I actually prayed, prayed the prayer when we started the uh, podcast uh, recording. It talks about the worthy walk and the four characteristics of the worthy walk of uh, the character of Christ in our life. And among those four points, it talks about that God, will, if we're walking worthy and we're filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, it's being implemented properly as we run this race will be strengthened by God with all might so that we can have patience and long-suffering. So those two qualities, same thing Paul mentions in Timothy. So patience uh, has to do with circumstances primarily, and long-suffering has to do with people 
primarily. The actual word for long-suffering is the, the word we get thermos from in the English is uh, where the Greek word comes from, but it's in the negative aspect of it takes a long time. A long-suffering person takes a long time to get hot. Uh, we don't, we're not easily irritated. We're not easily provoked. We're long-suffering with the provocations of people stuff that comes our way. So long-suffering and patience are, are key factors that Paul mentions. Uh, so, Jeremiah, you talked about uh, your uh, parents and your life, and how did this work out for you practically when you were growing up? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I look back on my childhood, and uh, I, I just think I was someone who caused a need for patience in my parents, um, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I struggled a lot with uh, with several different sins, and um, and I also just was very busy as well, doing a lot of activities. And uh, my parents, you know, they had nine children, so there was a lot mm-hmm. going on um, in general every day. But I just feel like they they were very patient with me all the way through high school, um, trying to do what was best for me and enduring in uh, parenting me well. And trying to lead me in the way that I should go so that I would not depart from it. Uh, faithfully bringing me back uh, to the Word and encouraging me to get in the Word. Uh, I didn't necessarily always, I often did not do a great job of listening. Hmm. Uh, which is another reason I feel uh, that just the enormous gratitude towards them for their their patience with me and their perseverance in raising me. And now that I have a son, I mean, he's pretty young now and hmm. haven't uh, had him for very long. But... Hmm. Even now, I, just, I see the need for patience in myself, uh, you know, when I want to be doing something. And instead, uh, it's demanded of me that uh, I go take care of him, whether it's feeding him or changing him or playing with him. Uh, his very existence in my life demands attention. Mm. And as much as I love to do it, you know, sometimes there's a bit of mm. long suffering that's required. You know, mm. I'd, I'd much rather do something else that's more enjoyable to me and so then I look back on, you know, 17, 18 years of my life in my parents' house and say, wow, they mm. they did this for me all the time. They, mm. they just continually and repeatedly gave up uh, parts of their life that they would have enjoyed for my sake. Uh, and I'm just, just amazing to think about a, a lifetime of raising children uh, faithfully and with patience. Mm. Uh, just me, it's been a great example to me. That's powerful. That's powerful. That uh, just the parents' example of patience and long suffering, and how it impacted your life to help you even now with your children to follow that example. And of course, it's just uh, what the, the scripture tells us: run the race with patience and uh, being like Jesus Christ, being like God the Father. So, thank God for that testimony. All right, our next factor. Oh, I wanted to mention uh, three things here about three questions. I mentioned this in my sermon, but I left out number three. I said I made the uh, third point, but I didn't make it clearly. So I want to make it in this podcast clearly. If you want to know how you're doing as far as running the race and running to win every year, constantly ask yourself three questions. How How am I doing with the character quality of patience? Number one. How am I doing with the character quality of long-suffering, number two? And then thirdly, how am I doing in recognizing that other people have to be long-suffering and patient with me Mm. and all my quirks and all my lack of uh, Christian growth and Christian maturity and all my carnality? Uh, you know, it makes a big difference when you know, we can easily see in somebody else's life, you know, things that needs to be corrected. But, you know, the Lord talked about before you try to get the um, the beam out of somebody else's eye, you know, get the, get the, uh, the splinter in somebody else's eye, get the mm-hmm. beam out of your own eye. You know, we got a beam in our eye. But the reason why it irritates us so much and it's a beam in our eyes because we haven't conquered the same thing we're usually pointing the finger out in somebody else's life. It's just not being manifested in the same way. You know, judge not lest you be judged. So those are the three uh, questions that will help in running this race to win. Now, our next uh, factor is 
the cross country, or the I'm sorry, sorry, the sowing and reaping factor. And God says, "Be not deceived." In Galatians, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in sowing to the Spirit. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, there's the patience. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Now, we reap what we sow. If we, uh, like for instance, Proverbs says, a man who would have friends must show himself friendly. That's Proverbs eighteen twenty four. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Uh, if you want mercy to come to you, uh, you have to show mercy to others. Mm-hmm. Blessed are the merciful, for they, that type of person, shall obtain mercy. We reap what we sow. Uh, if you sow a squash seed, you reap a squash fruit. And so, you know, don't blame what you are on somebody else. Take personal responsibility for who you are. And if we reap to the Spirit, we'll be able to have the blossom and the bloom of the fruit of the Spirit in our life because there's something inside of us that we're changing instead of blaming who we are and what we are on what's outside of us. You know, Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of a man. Hmm. So we reap what we sow. We, we uh, reap where we sow. Most of us are familiar with Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, those cities. And the reason why we are familiar with those cities is because Paul responded to the Macedonian call to go over to Macedonia and we, when he went over to Macedonia, he was sowing the seeds of the gospel and the seeds of the truth of God's word in Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth. And that's why the letters were written to those. The epistles were written to those cities because where Paul sowed is where he saw fruit come. And it's the same way in our life. Now, we, we reap more than we sow. If you sow one ochre seed you reap quite a bit of okra fruit just from one okra seed. Okra seed's pretty small, pretty tiny, but you reap a lot of okra fruit. And I'm always reminded of the little boy that had the five loaves mm-hmm. and the two fishes. And Jesus had had to feed, you know, 5,000 plus. Yeah. And uh, there's a song, Little is Much When God is in it. It's not how much you have to offer to God. It's what you what you have put into the hands of God, mm. recognizing what God can do with the little in your life. Little is much when God is in it. And when that uh, lad was willing to part with his lunch, uh, obviously the Lord used that to feed multitudes, uh, thousands of, of people. And I always want to uh, think about the mom who made the lunch, you know, moms, how many lunches do moms make? How many tireless, small things do moms do in the home, in the family? You know, the cleaning, the laundry, the diaper changing, the shopping for the food, and the endless tasks that a mom has to do. And you, and you might think, well, what am I really accomplishing for the kingdom of God? Well, don't ever think that you are minimally impacting the kingdom of God The Lord Jesus said, Let the little children come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Years ago, I heard this quote, The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And that mom who made that lunch that day for that little boy who gave it to Jesus uh, made a major contribution to the kingdom of God. Uh, Also, the little maid, uh, when Naaman had the leprosy, We don't even know her name. (laughs) All we know is she was a little maid. But she took what she knew about God and shared it so that uh, Naaman could have his leprosy healed. So uh, little is much when God is in it. She did what she could to, to serve, to minister, and to give. 
And God worked in powerful ways in Naaman's life as far as not only his leprosy, but as far as his soul, the need of his soul, just because that little maid was faithful in little things. So um, we also reap at a different time than when we sow. Don't, don't ever think, I heard somebody say, one test of um, maturity is how long I can wait between achievement and reward. How long, can, how long can I wait between doing what's right and see the blessing come from doing what's right? You, you don't always see it immediately. Matter of fact, worse things might start happening to you if you're doing what's right. You know, um, When you stand for truth, uh, the world does not want to hear the truth. And the Lord said, blessed are you when you're persecuted. And men say all manner of evil against you falsely. But don't think because they're saying all those things, God's not up to something big. By you standing for truth, you reap in a different season than when you sow. And there's two examples I want to mention, then I'm going to let you share, uh, Jeremiah, about sowing and reaping. Joseph took the initiative. He saw the butler and the baker, and they had a sad countenance. He was in prison with them. He could have been down in the dumps. Why am I in prison? I'm doing what's right. I'm doing what's good. And, uh, you know, my brother's... Uh, betrayed me, and I ended up in prison. He could have been crying the blues, self-pity, you know, woe is me. But instead of being wrapped up in himself, he was serving others, thinking of others, ministering to others. And he ministered to the butler and the baker when he saw they were sad, of a sad countenance. And he asked to be asked them to make sure he was remembered to the king. Right. Only problem was... They didn't remember. They didn't remember. <laughs> and I think if I'm remembering correctly, it took about two years, mm-hmm. you know, before uh, he was uh, made known as to what took place there with the interpretation of the dream in the prison. But, you know, two years, and then God worked in the timing of when it was needed so even more spiritual fruit mm-hmm. could come. Yeah. So uh, don't be weary in well-doing when you run this race. In due season, you will reap if you faint, uh, faint not. And then Mordecai, you know, uh, he saved the king from a trap of two men that wanted to harm the king, and he was not rewarded immediately. Hmm. Same thing. He did what was right. He did what was the, the true thing to do as far as standing for the protection of the king. But God did not reward him until Esther was about to make her appeal to the king. And then the king couldn't sleep. Yeah. And God prepared the king's heart to respond to Esther's appeal for the whole nation of Israel mm-hmm. and for Mordecai. And then Haman ended up being hung on the same gallows that he prepared for Mordecai. See, God had a reason why he was not immediately mm-hmm. rewarded. He was rewarded for doing what was right. And what was true, but it was you don't reap what you sow always immediately. Mm-hmm. So in your life, uh, Jeremiah, what what do you what's been your experience there? You were talking about back in high school, some things happened. Mm-hmm. I, back in high school, I had several friends that I uh, spent a lot of time with, and uh, I think most people would would experience you know people you spend a lot of time with in the future, you you kind of you know you keep in touch with them more than others, uh, and that's definitely been the case, but. Also, that the friends that I, uh, in I tried to be a uh, a light to uh, while I was in high school, the, uh, the Lord just you know burdened me to try and show Christ to, to people, and uh, I don't know that I did it the most faithfully, but like like uh, Randy said, that when little is much, when God is in it. Mm. So um, when I came to Greenville to go to the Evangelical Institute uh, for Bible Studies. Uh, just it amazed me how throughout those three years the, the the few people that I had really focused on seemed to just be growing in the Lord. Uh, they seemed to have more spiritual fruit than I'd ever seen while I was with them uh, after I had left. And it just was amazing to me to see that the, the Lord took those tiny little loaves and he brought forth fruit. And he did it after I had left mm-hmm. just so I would, I would know that it was because it was in his hands, not mine. That the fruit was coming, so that that was 
really encouraging to see, but also just speaks to your point that mm. it's not that we reap when we sow. Uh, mm. we, we, we sow and we trust the Lord that we will reap a harvest when the time is right. That's right. Yeah. And sometimes we don't reap until eternity. Amen. That's a long time. <laughs> Very long. <laughs> Your whole lifetime you wait, you mm-hmm. know, but there, there's, a, uh, there's a harvest that comes in eternity that uh, may not come here. You know, I was thinking about the judgment seat of Christ and the judgment. It talks about at the judgment seat of Christ, God's going to test every man's what. Uh, it doesn't say how much it is. He talks about what sort it is, the quality not the quantity. So when we talk about all these different factors of running the race, we need to uh, examine our disposition. We need to examine our attitude. We need to examine our motive. Uh, is you know what we appear to be outwardly. When I read that quote by Robert Johnstone, you know we may be doing a lot of good things outwardly that has a, the appearance of uh, spirituality. But, uh, you know, like Paul said in First Corinthians, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, and though I have all faith that can move a mountain, though I give my body to be burned, and so forth and so on, he said, if, I, if it's not coming from a pure motive of love for others, it's like making noise. There's no spiritual fruit in people's lives. So it may make a big splash outwardly, as far as somebody's spirituality, but God knows inwardly there may be self-interest, self-gain, self-aggrandizement, self-glory, self-exaltation, and all that is part of uh, running this race to win. If if self is in the middle of what we're doing, we're trying to uh, gain for ourselves. That same chapter in Philippians 3, when Paul talks about pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, he says, what things were gained... To me, I counted loss for Christ. His whole center point of who he was changed when he got saved. Before he got saved, he self was on the throne and self was the goal. Self-ambition, self-exaltation, so forth and so on. But after he got saved, it was dying to self so Christ could be glorified. Christ could be seen. Christ could be heard. Christ would be exalted. And so to, to run the race, we have to die to self so that Christ's life can be seen. And a lot of times that gets back to our motives and the intent of our heart. So now we want to talk about our past. The, uh, when we run this race, uh, the past factor. And in Philippians 3, Paul talked about uh, forgetting those things which are behind. And he's not talking about just uh, a blank statement of forgetting everything. Uh, There's lots of things that we need to remember. Every time we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Mm -hmm. how do you sing that song or that hymn without remembering (laughs) the past? Mm -hmm. God wants us to remember the past, how faithful he's been, so forth and so on. The Lord Jesus said, every time we take the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. We're always looking back to the finished, atoning, redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Everything as far as our running this race is based on his propitiation, his redemption, his atonement, his resurrection, his exaltation. We look back to the finished work of Christ. So it's not a blanket statement to forget everything in the past, but we have to not let the past terrorize us. As far as two things, number one, our sinfulness and, you know, get despondent about the future because we said earlier every day, you know, we have to confess sin to God. We're never perfect. And, you know, you can get despondent about it or discouraged about it. But when we confess our sin, you know, first John, I talked about if you don't say that you have sin, you deceive yourself. But it also says if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you can every day can be a new day, no matter what the previous day has been. Every moment can be a new moment, no matter what the previous moment has been. If we confess our sin, hmm. 
uh, and acknowledge it to God. We can be cleansed. We can be forgiven. We can move on with a new slate of opportunity in Christ's life before us. Now, contrary to that, the devil is the accuser of the brethren Hmm. night and day. Uh, The devil wants our past to be uh, a hindrance to us, an obstacle to us. And uh, God wants us to benefit from our past to understand better how to run this race only through Christ's life. Because whenever we try to do something with self-effort, we're not going to be able to produce the righteousness that's needed. We can't produce the fruit of life with self-energy, self-effort. It's only through Christ. Philippians chapter 4 says, uh, I can, uh, Paul said this in chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So past failures and uh, successes also can be a problem. Uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about all the blessing of God upon Israel, and yet they wavered in their faith when he was leading them through the wilderness. He'd already demonstrated how powerful he was to bring them out of Egypt when, when Pharaoh had such a hard heart. But, you know, they had unbelief in the wilderness, and... Um, it talks about, and Paul reviews all that in 1 Corinthians 10, and he says, do you think that was written just so we would see how uh, much faith they didn't have? Hmm. He said, that was written for our admonition in New Testament times. Um, and he, he, he makes this statement, let him that thinks he stand take heed <coughs> lest he fall. Hmm. So our successes can be a problem. Yeah. It'd be a problem. Uh, I heard Pastor, I think it was Pastor Ron Dunn said, one of the greatest hindrances to God using us in the future is that God has used us in the past. If we're not careful, we'll get the big head or believe our own press report instead of recognizing if there's anything good happening, if there's any spiritual fruit coming forth, it's got to be of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God supernaturally working. Because the Bible clearly says in us dwells no good thing it clearly says there is none good no not one Mm -hmm. so if we start taking credit for what is coming only from god himself you know we're gonna have a fall pride goes before destruction and a holy spirit before a fall so in your life uh, how does this uh, work out you was talking about summer camp how did it work out in your life yeah uh a a big example that comes to mind is uh, a summer camp that my sister and i helped uh, organize and run uh, when we were in high school. Uh, the camper usually went to wasn't going to uh, take place, so we decided to organize one ourselves instead. And uh, the Lord really brought it together and blessed it and brought a lot of amazing uh, and encouraging fruit from it. Uh, and I used to take a lot of a pride in that, thinking, "Wow, like I was part of this this camp." Most people didn't do that sort of thing in high school, and I I just really high up on myself because I thought I'd done such a great thing. Mm. Um, but the Lord really has allowed me to, to see and look back and realize that uh, I didn't do very well. I, I had a couple chances to speak, uh, like at a chapel message for the other campers, and uh, I, I did not prepare faithfully. I, I didn't ask for help from wiser mentors. Uh, I just tried to do it all on my own, and uh, I did a really poor job. Uh, and... So it just amazes me when I look back and see that uh, the people that came were were blessed and uh, were able to gain spiritual fruit from it. And just reminds me that the, the fruit does not come from me or even from my faithfulness. Mm. You know, if, I, if now I have the chance to speak again and I actually do prepare well uh, and come and am I able to confidently teach the Word of God, even then, whether it's me preparing well or not preparing well, the Lord will bring the fruit uh, and I have the, the privilege to join in that, mm. and uh, and I really want to do that. But it's it's so good for me to remember uh, that the Lord will do it no matter what. Uh, that's a source of confidence in Him, and mm. that despite my failures, He's going to work. Uh, mm. And a source of humility that uh, He doesn't need my successes to get the job done. Mm. Uh, yeah. Amen. 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 Going back to a point of. Um, not recognizing the spiritual fruit that God is working until later. Mm-hmm. 
And you you noticed it in uh, the people you ministered to later. I, I saw the same thing. Uh, I, I pastored uh, in New Jersey for 16 years before I moved to Greenville, South Carolina, and pastored here for 23-plus years. And uh, obviously I've been back up to New Jersey several times. Uh, my wife's uh, family lives up there. And uh, I'd see the people that I ministered to over the years, and they started reporting to me, you remember when? Do you remember when? Do you remember when? Well, at the time, I didn't think there was any big thing happening. Right. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't see any big gain, spiritual gain coming out of it. But they were reporting to me, you know, how God used that, which I thought was very minor or insignificant uh, in their life. And uh, it, it taught me to uh, just be faithful in whatever little thing it is because uh, God's working in other people's lives way beyond what we see at the moment. Hmm. We may not see immediate benefit or the immediate gain. So that's just reinforcing a point we've already covered. So there's one more uh, factor here, and we'll bring this to a close. Which this is the responsibility factor. And uh, in, in Proverbs, it talks about wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. And, of course, Proverbs says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and all you're getting of wisdom, make sure you get understanding. And uh, we don't know for sure what these seven pillars are. Nobody can say, well, you know, I know exactly what the seven pillars are. But if I had to uh, choose one that I think would be a part of the seven, just me personally, as to the pillars of a house, being built. Now, I talk about a house being built. It can be your personal life. It can be your family life. It can be your marriage life. It can be your job life. It can, it can Any aspect of your life is the house. Uh, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians, uh, there's a foundation that Jesus Christ laid through his redemptive work, but we're all building now on that foundation. And he said, be careful how you build. Be careful how you build your house, whether it's your home, your family, your marriage, your job, your career. Be careful how, how you build. Uh, you may be building with uh, wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. Hmm. You know, no reward for it, which goes back to the motive and intent that I spoke about uh, earlier because it says that uh, God's word pierces to the dividing asunder of our soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. The intent is our motive. So uh, this pillar, I, I, I mean, the, the, the seven pillars, we don't know what they are, but if I had to say one pillar that needs to be uh, definitely a part of your running this race to be building on a solid foundation of the life of Christ, it would go back to what we've already said about personal responsibility, personal responsibility. I am what I am, not because of my environment, not because of my circumstances, not because of, uh, well, if you had the problems I have had, you know, you'd understand why I'm the way I am. You know, God gives grace to every person to respond as an overcomer no matter what our circumstances in life. And so in order for that to be profitable, that we overcome instead of being taken down by our circumstances, we need to recognize that if I don't have joy in my life, it's not because somebody else stole it from me. If I don't have uh, peace in my life, it's not because somebody else has done something and I can't have peace now. You know, the Lord said, in the world you will have tribulation. Mm. He said, you're going to have all kinds of stuff outside of you. Things happen to you, all kinds of circumstances. It's not going to be pleasant. But he says, rejoice. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He had circumstances. The Lord Jesus had circumstances in his humanity that could have weighed him down or you know, he, he could have been crying the blues about this, that, and the other. Every time he turned around, somebody was trying to kill him, mm -hmm. you know, but long before the crucifixion. I mean, he had lots of enemies. 
And uh, it's very easy to get despondent, you know, when uh, uh, your circumstances are so intense and you don't see good in those circumstances. But if you're walking by faith, God does not say that everything that happens to us is good. But God says in Romans 8, he can work all things together for good Mm. to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? His purpose is us for us to become like Christ. It tells us in Romans 8, 29, he foreordained, he predestinated for us to be conformed to the image of his son. So if you'll interpret your circumstances in light of three things, how can this circumstance help me to be more like Jesus Christ in his character, his patience, his long-suffering, his gentleness, his responsibility, uh, his initiative, his humility. Remember, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. And then he gave two character qualities. Learn of me, I am meek and lowly. Hmm. And he said, if you have those two character qualities, no circumstance will be able to weigh you down or rob you of your peace and joy. So, if I don't have peace and joy, it's not because somebody took it from me. Hmm. It's because I'm not responding to the grace of God in Jesus Christ's life with humility and meekness and lowliness. So do you see anything there uh, as far as the responsibility factor you talked about when you was at Evangelical Institute, uh, something the Lord taught you there? Yeah. Uh, the Lord taught me uh, a lot about uh, the the unnecessary habit of complaining uh, and murmuring. Uh, I think it's a really good uh, check for me and I guess for all of us mm. uh, to, to see what, what are we tempted to complain about. And when we are able to check that and instead of complaining, bolster contentedness and gratitude, uh, that's mm. really going to bring about a lot of joy in our lives. So w- whether it's we have to wait in a line uh, which is something you know we we do often, or whether it's a, a task at work that we're given to do that we don't want to do, mm. we'd rather do something else. Mm. Um, or whether it's a homework assignment, what, whatever it may be that w- causes us to want to start to to speak mm. and say, "Man, I, I I can't believe I have to do this, or I can't believe someone else didn't do this. Why am I the one having to do this job?" Uh, but the, you know, the Lord's given you a small task right in front of you. And you have the chance to say, you know, Lord, I want to do this with all my heart, all my strength, and all my soul. And when we're able to do that, instead of just murmuring and complaining, we're able to have uh, a joy that comes from contentedness in Christ rather than the the bitterness that builds from murmuring, uh, like we see in the Mm -hmm. Israelites Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. You know, they were Mm -hmm. complaining, why do we have to eat this manna every day? You know, I, I could see why that would be frustrating and annoying i don't want to eat the same thing mm. every day for over a month um but it was provided by the lord uh, and mm. it was a chance for them to, to grow in contentedness and just to learn a new lesson and uh, if they had they would have found a, a greater joy in the lord rather than uh, the bitterness that led to sin mm. um, and so in, in the same way we need to take responsibility for how we do react to our circumstances and really evaluate whether or not this is something we need to address and change or just something we need to endure and have patience with. Mm. It's just part mm. of the race is doing yeah. things we don't mm. always want to do. Um, Amen. Amen. You know, you're speaking of Israel, and God was leading them uh, by uh, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night as they were going through the wilderness uh, on their way to the promised land. Mm. And they kept encountering circumstances that didn't seem to be a blessing. Hmm. And um, one challenging circumstance they came to was uh, they, you know, they came, they, uh, we all need water. Yeah. And they needed water. And they came to the water at one point of the journey through the wilderness. And it says the water was bitter. It was bitter water. Now, the first thing there was, why were they at the place of bitter water? They were there because they were following the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. 
if you think what's happening to you is outside of the sovereignty of God's mm. control, you know, people are doing something to you. If God wants to stop something, he can stop it any time he wants to. If he wants to prevent it or he wants to change it, you know, God's quite capable of stopping anything. He reminds me of that man that was raking David over the coals. And uh, David's uh, servant said, you want me to go over and cut his head off? He shouldn't be speaking to the king that way. Uh, and I think his name was Sh- Shimei. And David said, don't touch that man. God has bidden him to speak to me that way. Hmm. Wow. He recognized the sovereignty of God in being railed upon. Hmm. And if we get bitter, first thing that... Uh, think about is is this just happening to me coincidentally or is there something that God in God's sovereignty knows he wants me to gain the benefit of in my character and in my relationship to God and who's a better example of that than Jesus amen he was reviled he reviled them not in return Mm. same way we can Mm. look to Jesus and say well if he can endure (laughs) the the unjust trial and Mm the cross, then how much more can we endure slight inconveniences and even great pains and troubles Amen. still trusting the Lord to use our circumstances for good? Yeah, I think uh, in that Hebrews 12 passage, it talks about for the joy set before hmm. him, he endured the unpleasantries, the suffering, the pain, the agony, the cross, the crucifixion. Yeah. For the joy set before him, his focus was on the gain of others. You know, when we are going through unfortunate circumstances, we're focused on, it's not a blessing to me. Right. You know, but God can use it for the gain of others if we have a meek spirit, mm. a lowly spirit. We have the character of, of Christ. But uh, to finish this up, when they was at the place of bitter water, God uh, showed uh, Moses a tree. And, you know, when you understand the cross, you just brought it in. You know, look at what Jesus embraced. When he embraced the cross and salvation was made possible for every person in the world to be forgiven of their sin. And and God's not holding anything against us. And in the same way, he doesn't want us to hold anything against anybody else. That's what bitterness is, you know. Somebody hurt me and I'm not forgiving them. And in Hebrews 12, it talks about, be careful as believers, lest any root of bitterness spring up in you. It's it's a big-time temptation problem that will derail running the race fruitfully and properly. But when Moses put that tree in the water, uh, the water was drinkable, and it became a blessing. So like you just brought out, uh, if we look to the cross and we look to Christ himself, what he endured, what he suffered, uh, what he embraced as to the sufferings of life and, and all the good that came to mankind because he was willing to, he, I mean, he was perfect. He never deserved any of any ill treatment. We're imperfect. Sometimes we do deserve it, but he was perfect. And if we remember that, It'll help us to be more forgiving, more patient, more long-suffering, and see the good of God can take a bitter place and turn it into a place of blessing mm. as to seeing it through the lens of who Christ is and uh, becoming more like Christ through it. you have any final words before we uh, close this out? No, I think, I think that's a, a great way to end, looking great. to Jesus. Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, let me pray one more time. Now, Father in heaven, there's a little booklet that's entitled Looking Unto Jesus. And uh, if if, uh, anybody listening has never read that booklet, I'd encourage them, even as I pray to you, to get a copy of it. Because I've given that booklet out to a lot of people. We've got it on the table in the church foyer. And it, uh, it says it all. How can we run this race if we're looking to the side? If we're looking to the circumstances instead of the end of the race where the finish line is, uh, we're not going to be able to run and win. 
We've got to run with the finish line constantly before us. And what is the finish line? To become like your son, Jesus Christ. And everything that happens to us, it can help us either be more like your son. It can help us uh, to make your son known to others as far as the gospel and their salvation. And also it can help other believers to be strengthened in their faith. When they see that when we are ill-treated or mistreated, we don't respond with the anger or the bitterness or the despondency or the doubt or fear, but we respond with great confidence and great, uh, great hope that this is an opportunity for the glory and the majesty and the power of who Jesus Christ is to be made manifest and other people get saved. So we pray that something in this podcast has helped all of us, including Jeremiah and and ourselves, to die to self so that Jesus Christ can be made known and other people get saved. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.